morning's scripture will be from 1 Peter 4, 12 through 16. It says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering, as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice that you participate with the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the spirit and glory of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should be not of as a murderer or a thief or any other kind of criminal, or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. Christians are and always have been strangers in this world. We don't really belong. Yes, we live in this world, and sometimes we tend to carry the weight of the world, but this world is not our home. We live with a different purpose. We look beyond this life, and we long for something more. We are unsettled exiles on our way home. We do find great encouragement for our journey as exiles from 1 Peter. It gives us a perspective. So I want to start with just a few, few footnotes for the sermon today. And the first thing is we are going to talk from 1 Peter chapter um, 4, verses 12 through 19 about what it means to bear Christ's name in this world. And when you walk around bearing Christ's name, it is true. People are going to um, uh, treat you in ways that they probably shouldn't, in, in ways that are not just or that are not right, that include suffering or persecution and trials. And that is true. So we're going to face these challenges, but we bear his name, so that's where we find our identity. That's where we find our purpose for this world. And from that perspective, what does that mean for us today as well as what does it mean for us eternally? As a part of the message a little bit later on, we're going to be showing a video clip from the camps, Camp Luminaris, that has taken place. And so I want to tell you just a little bit about the camp stuff so when we show the video, we can help it make the point that we're making at that point in the sermon. First of all, this is our eighth year to have summer camp, to have a camp, it's not summer camp, to have camp in Nicaragua for, for these kids. And this is our first year, though, to have three sessions. So over those three sessions, 400 people were involved. And everything was done by our missionaries. All of our missionaries were involved in other church leaders there. And included in those missionaries was Brandon Marin, who is one of our new missionaries that they, we actually uh, got to know him through Camp Luminaris uh, several years ago. During the camp, there were during the three sessions of camp, there were nine baptisms. And the chur churches there and the kids there certainly want to share their appreciation and thankfulness for the way that we were help, able to help make that happen this year. I also want to point out to you, whether you're here present or especially to those who are worshiping with us online, if at some point during this message you'd like to reach out to us, and since you're not here and you can't do so, do so physically, we'd invite you to go to our prayer page. If It's found on our website, so you can go directly to our website and find it. If you happen to have our church app, it's on that front page just down at the bottom, and we'd love to be praying for you. And if it's time for you to give your life to Christ in baptism and you need to talk to someone, reach out to us. That's a good place. Call us, whatever it takes. We just want to let you know a way that you can participate in allowing us to pray for your life and to respond if God speaks to you through this. So at any time during the message, feel free to reach out to us in that way. Well, we do live as exiles, which means that we feel out of place in this world. And we should. <laughs> we don't want to feel at home here any longer. I, this is a temporary body, and this is a temporary home for us. 
We look for it forward to eternity. This is not our home anymore. But what causes us to feel exiles in this world is because we become outcast from the world. And the world looks at us and sees us differently. We don't fit their expectations because now we wear a different name. We bear the name of Christ in this world. And so we face injustices in the world. This is, this is not anything new. Jesus faced injustices as well in this world. Remember, when he was out in ministry and he came back to his hometown, the place where people knew him best, he came home and you remember how he was received? Matthew 13. Coming back to his hometown, he began to teach the people in their synagogue, and they were amazed. Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers, they asked? Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? <laughs> and aren't his sisters with us? You hear what he's saying. Dad, his dad was just a carpenter. We used to buy our furniture from him. He made our dining room table. His mom, you remember the stories they tell around town about his mom? And his brothers, remember, I was a friend with his brothers. He got in trouble in school. And his sister, I'm married to one of his sisters. Who does he think he is? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor, except in his own town and in his own home. When we walk into this world, changed because we are now followers of Christ, and as we bear that name, we can expect offense, injustice, people to look at us in ways that they shouldn't, even when we walk back to the place we once called home. That's what Jesus found, and we should expect the same. Because bearing his name changes our bearing in life. And we don't act and talk and do the things we used to do. And therefore, people notice, and they're uncomfortable with it. Jesus knew this was going to be a fact, so he prayed for his disciples, for his believers, for you and I in John 17. Let's pick up that prayer in verses 14 and 15, where he says, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them. For they're not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. He knew as his disciples, as we would face injustices in this world, as we changed our bearing because we carry his name. And he knew that we would have some forms of persecution, of distress, of suffering by living in this world. And so when we ask the question, why do we fill out a place in this world? It's pretty obvious because we carry his name. 1 Peter 4, 16. If you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. We are to bear that name into this world. And that has one meaning here. But I just want to remind you, we bear that name into heaven as well. And it has a significant meaning there as well. But here in this world, carrying his name is a cause of distress. That means that we're going to have stress in this world. But just remember, judgment day is coming, and that name will cause us to rejoice. But here we can expect fiery ordeals. 1 Peter 4.12, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. I mean, when you think of fiery ordeal, you can't help but think of painful, right? 
And that's exactly what Peter is talking. This is a painful time. A little bit later, he's going to call it suffering, which could also be translated distress. Other times, it's called persecution. When you walk this way, when you bear the name of Jesus, expect some painful times, some fiery trials, some suffering. You're going to have stress in your life. You're going to have problems. You're going to have pressures. You're going to have difficulties. It's not always going to be easy. But remember whose name you carry. Paul put it this way in Philippians 1.29. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for him. There are two privileges we have, or many more, but two of the privileges this passage points out in our Christian living is we have the privilege of believing in Jesus. And we also have the privilege of suffering for Christ. So how are we supposed to respond to these fiery trials? He starts out by saying, just don't be surprised about them. You know, when you have these fiery ordeals, do not be surprised if something strange is happening to you. I mean... We shouldn't be surprised when unbelievers don't understand why we act the way that we do. And just like Christ didn't meet expectations, so he, he felt the pressures from this world, so it will be with us. So how to respond? Don't be surprised. Don't think it's strange. Just, just imagine, it's your birthday. And all of a sudden, relatives from all over the nation show up in town. And friends you haven't seen for years all of a sudden are around your house. It shouldn't be a big surprise to you if you throw, there's a party for you. It shouldn't be a surprising thing. What should surprise you is if everybody from out of town happens to be here and it's your birthday and nobody does anything. Now that should be the surprise. Listen, we live in this world. We are surrounded by this world. Don't be surprised when your bearing in life is different and people think you're strange. And they try to do things to make you fit what they expect you should do. 1 Peter 4.4, 4, just earlier in this chapter, he said, talks about the people in this world. They are surprised that you do not join them in their reckless, wild living, and they heap abuse on you. So we shouldn't be surprised. We shouldn't be just amazed that we have these fiery trials. But what's happening with the people in this world is they are amazed that we're not doing what they expect us to do. They're the ones that, that have the surprise. They think we're strange. So don't be surprised when they try and make us form our living into the form that they expect. So don't be surprised. And he also says to see those fiery trials as times of testing, that these fiery or, this fiery ordeal that has come to test you. What's the purpose of tests? To bring misery into your life, right? I always thought a test, the whole purpose of a test was to be passed. Just, just to learn it long enough to pass the test, make the grade, and get on. I, that was so ingrained on me, I failed to ever learn the love of learning. The purpose of a test is to help one learn. It is to say, we want you to focus on these things that are most important and study and learn them. And then the test comes to assure you're ready for what comes next. The next level of math, the next level of living life. That you know what you need to know to go on. And that should give us the confidence to know that we have within us the ability to learn the next thing. 
So when fiery trials come, look at them as a test, not to get you to flunk out, but to see have you learned what you need to learn. It causes us to go back and study and think, why is this happening to me? So I can be ready for what is in front of me. And then he also says, as we look at those fiery trials, consider them as a time of sharing in Christ's suffering. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. Christ did what was right here on this earth, no matter what the cost. Agree? And when I share in his sufferings, that means I do what's right, no matter what the cost. No matter what, I do what's right, just like Jesus. And then he says, as you consider these fiery trials, also consider how they can bring great anticipation and joy at his return. That you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. Here, right now, now we suffer the consequences. We, we have the consequences of bearing his name. That is fiery trials, it's persecutions, it's sufferings. It is stresses in this world. It makes us feel like exiles in this world, that we don't fit in. And he says, right now you can rejoice in your suffering because you're doing the right thing now. But it says there's always, an, also there's another consequence. In the here and now, fiery trials. In the then, in heaven, you're overjoyed because you bear his name. You have his name. And so while we carry that name into this world, his name should give us our identity in this world. 1 Peter 4.14, if you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the, spirit and glory, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. I'm a Christian. It is my identity. It is more than that. It is who I am. I am a Christian. It's more than my given name, my surname. It's, it's more than my job or, or my profession. It's more than my relationship status or what sports team I happen to be a fan of. It's more than my country of origin, my citizenship, my nationality, or my race. I am a Christian. I am Christ. I'm washed in his blood, and I carry his name. It is my identity. And being a Christian in this world is also my purpose. Verse 19, so then those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. We should live committed lives because my purpose is to bear his name into this world. Because I have a faithful creator, not one that is fickle, not one that is going to turn on me. He is faithful, and he's going to walk with me. And because of that, I can continue to do what is good in this world. I live committed lives. I continue to do what is good. No matter what the world does, I do good. I do good in the midst of the fiery trials. I do good in the midst of the sufferings, the persecutions, the stresses of life. I do good. When Jesus was placed upon the cross and dying for us, 
he did good for dying for us. But he, he showed that ability to do good in the midst of the most difficult trials, trial of his life. Hanging on that cross in all that pain, he looked down and saw his mother and made sure she was taken care of that day. And in the moments ahead, as she would suffer, and in the days ahead, take care of my mom for me. He looked down and saw the soldiers and the people that had been there and says, they don't know what they're doing. Father, forgive them. They have no idea what they're doing. And he looked at those who were insulting, and he says, God, I'm going to die for them. They're doing this on purpose. They know what they're doing, and, and I'm going to die for them anyway. And so when I handle the stressful times, when I take up my cross, and I am in pain, his name gives me purpose. And that is to do good in the midst of my pain, to continue to do good, to do what's right, because I've been trying to do what's right. Verse 15 gives the counter to that. Sometimes we are in pain because we've done what's wrong. 1 Peter 4:15. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any kind of criminal or even as a meddler. I mean, if I'm going to suffer, let me suffer for doing good. Continue to do good. So as we kind of wrap, wrap this up, I want to talk a little bit about perspective in life. This is where, as I've lived with this verse this week, this is what has touched my heart the most. And one of the aspects of perspective that we need to bring into this as an exile is judgment is coming. Peter makes it very, very clear. Look at verses 17 and 18. For it is time for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it's hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Brothers and sisters, friends, judgment is coming. And our actions do matter. And as we're making our home in this world, that has a consequence. So, brothers and sisters, are you making your home here? Are you living here as exiles because your home is there? Let's not make our homes here in this world. Let's make them in eternity. And yes, it is hard. There are challenges. It's not easy. But look out at this world and with compassion see how hard it is on them. It's going to be even harder. So care and share. As exiles, let's have the perspective of knowing that judgment is coming. And during the now, let's take Jesus into this world. Verse 16. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. Remember, you're not alone. We're carrying the name of Jesus into this world. And because of that, yes, we'll have these fiery trials. But you bear his name, which means you bear Jesus into this world. And so you're not alone. There are many times in life as a Christian I have felt alone. Because I've been expecting that sense of presence from my peers, the people around me. And I have to tell you, that's the blessing of church. 
whether you're here or you're watching this online, I hope you sense the presence of God's church. The Lord added you to the church as a believer, and you have others with you. But I remember many times that I felt like I was alone on an island. And as I reflect upon those times, and maybe you reflect on those times in your life, my mind immediately goes back to my growing up years, my years as a teen or as a college student. And as a teenager in a small town with a small youth group, and I, I just felt alone, that nobody else was trying or understood or was trying to bear the name of Jesus. One of the reliefs for me each year was a summer camp-like experience. It was such a blessing to go and for, I actually went to a two-week camp where everybody was kind of had a like mind, that we were all headed, trying to head a similar direction. I felt so much like I wasn't alone, and it was a time of refocusing and recommitting. It was a time to think through and study up and get ready, knowing that the, that the testing of, was coming. And I wanted to be ready to handle those difficult times in school when they came, or the difficult times back home. And so I was spending time focusing on what I would need and to get ready for the then. It was such a blessing for me then, and it's still a blessing now. Our kids, we're so, we work so hard to allow them to have that experience. And we've loved that experience so much, many of us, that we've taken it to other places. We have a camp for teenagers, for young people in Mexico, and then Camp Luminaires that just took place. One of, their, one of our missionaries took the time to put together this little video clip of the camp. But if you, as you watch, just remember how there are times in our life of refreshing, of refocusing, and of remembering that I'm not in this alone. It's also a time to consider putting on that name.
call the camp luminaires those lights and how each year they they light those candles I think as camps including start in that big circle and walk to the middle to know that you're not alone so as we walk into this world as exiles let's remember that Jesus Christ is Lord last week in worship one of the songs was uh, behold our God it's a new song, and uh, I imagine for many of you, you don't know it, but to a lot of our young people, it's a favorite song, and it's one of my new favorite songs. Because of the message, it calls us to focus on who God is. Behold our God seated on the throne, come let us adore him. Behold our king, nothing can compare, let, come let us adore him. And so it holds up God as the one in charge. He will reign forever. Let your glory fill the earth. Why is he the one that we should lift up in this world? The song starts by saying, Who has held the ocean in his hands? Who has numbered every grain of sand? Kings and nations tremble at his voice. All creation rises to rejoice. Behold our God, seated on the throne. Come let us adore him. Behold our king, nothing can compare. Come let us adore him. I love that song. It's a new song to many of us, but the truth has always been there. And so as we walk as exiles in this world, I hope that you lift up your eyes and you always behold our God, seated on his throne. Let's adore him. Behold our king, nothing can compare. Come, let us adore him. But as we walk... Let's also remember that he walks with us because we bear his name. There's another song that is probably new to many of you. Not new because it's just been written, just not new because we don't sing it much anymore. I did a poll in my family and nobody under the age of 60 knew this song. Just to, and it's, it's the name of the song is Take My Hand, Precious Lord. It's written by a man named Thomas Dorsey back in the 1930s. His wife, an infant child, had just died, and he was overwhelmed with inconsolable grief. And so he wrote this song. And over the years, and in the churches that I've been a part of growing up, this song has brought so much peace and comfort in times of inconsolable grief, I always kind of think of it as a funeral song. A song that you turn to when life is tough. 
when the fiery trials of this world that is not our home threaten us. And so as we walk into this world, let's also have this perspective. It's an old song, but it is a truth that is still valid for today. And that is the concept of God, take my hand, precious Lord. Lead me on, let me stand. I'm weak, I'm tired, I'm worn. Through the storm, through the night, lead me on to the light. Take my hand, precious Lord. Lead me on. We've got to walk in this world, but we walk bearing his name and recognizing that he is on his throne. But we're never alone. He's always with us. So uh, I ask our song leader to learn the song because he didn't know it. And for all of you who don't know it, join in, listen to the words, sing the melody. Is a truth that is an old truth that is current still today. When my way groweth drear, precious Lord, linger near. When my life is almost gone, hear my cry, hear my call. Hold my hand, lest I fall. Take my hand, precious Lord, lead me home. Precious Lord, take my hand, lead me on, help me stand. I am tired, I am weak, I am worn. Through the storm, through the night, lead me on to the light. Take my hand, precious Lord, lead me home. When the shadows appear and the night draweth near and the day is past and gone, at the river I stand, guide my feet, hold my hand, take my hand, precious Lord, lead me home. Precious Lord, take my hand, lead me on, help me stand. I am tired, I am weak, I am worn. Through the storm, through the night, lead me on to the light. Take my hand, precious Lord, lead me home. Amen. And when I say lead me home, when we sing those words, we're not talking to 801 Glendale Drive. We're not talking about Edmund. We're not talking about this world. As you walk through this world, Jesus takes us by the hand. And he's leading us to our real home. But here we do live as exiles. 
and we bear his name and everything that comes with it, which includes fiery trials, but also it comes with the hand of Jesus walking with us into this world. And not in, just into this world, but into our home, into eternity. But in the moment, may we also have the perspective of behold our God seated on his throne. So the question simply is, friend, have you made Jesus Lord of your life? Have you crowned him as king of your life? Have you confessed his name? That I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And given your life to him, put him on in baptism and decided you're going to live a new way. And if you haven't, won't you do so today? Brothers and sisters, as we walk into this world bearing his name, remember he's leading us home. And won't it be good to hear those words? Welcome home, good and faithful servant. Well done. If we can help you on the journey, won't you come as we stand together and sing? Take the name of Jesus with you. 